haven't started yet. time ago.
so that's... Oh, man. Hey, do you want to run, run Bob during the confirmation? Okay. I had to do it last year, so I'm fine. But there was a confirmation last time. Hmm? There was a confirmation last time. You're right. Oh, wait, no, your mom said she was going to try to get it. Oh, we're all smoked out. Let's go. Here's the key to the lights a little bit so your mom can see it. On the stage?
to somewhere around grade six, seven, eight, nine, whatever, and it's a time of instruction where they come and uh, we have classes and they learn um, what the Bible has to say about who God is, how he loves us, and then we talk about uh, their lives, what God desires for them. And so, uh, the very first thing we're going to do is I'm going to be asking a series of questions, and just so you know it's complicated.
moment for us to uh, do what I call the spiritual rhythm. And spiritual rhythm has to do with two truths. Number one, we're all sinners. We fall short. God has his standard, and his standard is this. Be perfect. Don't sin. Don't make any mistakes. Well, we don't live up to that at all. The second spiritual truth is what these compromands just shared. And it's that Jesus loves you so much that he came to suffer and die and rise again. That rhythm is what we need all the time. We need to be reminded of this grace of God in Jesus. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, as we, uh, as we acknowledge these two truths, yes, we confess and we admit we fall short. We don't listen to you always. We go our own way. We do our own thing. But the second part, the truth of your love for us in Jesus, that's amazing and it's life-changing. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the faith to hold on and to believe that you accomplished in your Son and through his suffering, death, and resurrection. You accomplished what we couldn't do. And that was the forgiveness of sins and the promise of life with you forever. Thank you. Thank you for that grace. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a couple things. Uh, I, I know that we have lots of guests here today. Glad you're here. And if you're here for the Compromands, thank you for your love and support for them. Keep, keep it up. Keep praying for them. Keep encouraging them. Because uh, living out the Christian life, it's the greatest joy ever, but it's one of the toughest things in this world we live in. So keep it going. Um, if you're a guest here today, we'd love to get to know you. And one of the ways in which we try to get to know people in this COVID-19 digital world is to encourage you to text 1C guest to 94,000. And then it just starts the communication back and forth. So if you would do that, we would be appreciative of that. Also, if uh, you have a prayer request today that you would like included in our worship today and throughout this week, uh, whether it's a prayer of thanksgiving, or a prayer of concern, you can text it to 402-242-5051, and it'll be included. In fact, if you're on Facebook Live today, we, you can even put it in the comment section, and we will include it in our worship today. And then um, also just an encouragement to every one of us. God has blessed you with one blessing on top of another, and he just wants us to use those gifts for his glory. So you just be talking to him in your prayers. Lord, thank you for those blessings, and how can I use those gifts? And last but not least, a little bit later, we're going to have communion. And if you don't know what communion is, let me just tell you what we believe here at 1C. We believe that Jesus in that upper room 2,000 years ago, as he was sharing the Passover meal, and it was that time where they were remembering the children of Israel and how the angel of death passed over when they had blood on the doorpost, Jesus gave a whole new meaning and significance. When he had the bread in his hand, he said, take eat, this is my body. And when he had the wine, he said, take drink, this is my blood. And so at one scene, we take those words literally. He had bread and wine, but he also said it's body and blood for forgiveness of sins. So if that's something you believe in, we would love to have you come and be a part of it. 
So if you came in today and you didn't get the elements, that means bread and or um, wine or juice, you can still do that. During the next song, it will give you some time. You can go into the family gathering area. There is the kitchen windows. Someone will be there to help serve you so that you can have these ready, uh, which will take place a little bit later in the service. Okay, we'd love to have you join us if that is something, uh, your profession of faith as well. Let's continue now as we worship.
pray. Good and gracious God, as we get ready to look into the Bible, as we look into the Scriptures, as we look into your truth, we ask now that your Holy Spirit would be given to all of us in such a powerful way that as we look at your word, our faith and trust in you would grow. And we would come to a clearer understanding of who you are, how you love, and the desires you have for your children. Thank you for your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, I was sitting down with a member of the church, and we were talking about the, the book of Acts, and, you know, why did I pick the book of Acts, and why are we going through all of this? And, and really, this was chosen back in, I think it was December, maybe even November, had no idea of COVID-19. The parallels and the similarities of what happened 2,000 years ago and what happened is happening today is stunning. Back then, the church was scattered because of current events and the things that were going on. Well, today, the church is scattered. We're starting to come back here, but other parts of the country and in other parts of the world, the Christian church is still scattered. And so we've been walking along, we've been looking at story after story of what the church was like 2,000 years ago, and what is the church like today? And the same need 2,000 years ago is the same need today. We need Jesus. And God, um, Jesus gave us uh, this gift, this God-given gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to help us today. Same thing. So we're going to go through that. Now, um, I do want to talk about confirmation. I remember confirmation. Yes, we had electricity back then and running water. So you don't have to be sitting there thinking it was back then. But, but you know, similarities were there. Let me tell you what it was like for me. Confirmation was a time where the end goal was the party. Because rumor had it, if you have a party, you often get gifts. So I was willing to put up with the confirmation process. And that meant you, you go to confirmation and some adult is in front of you trying to kind of peel your head open and jam as much as you can in for two, three, it felt like 100 years. And you wanted it to be over with. But you knew that there was a goal in mind. The party. Those gifts. So I went through all of it, and then we, we got ready for what I call the Inquisition. If some of you remember, we did Zoom interviews. How many of you grew up where you had to be in front of the congregation and answer questions to a bunch of people? Okay. Just look around, Compromands. We had it tough. You know, you know, you're sitting there, and the pastor asks you a question, and you have to answer it in front of people. Oh, my goodness. And we, we turned out okay, right? Yeah. Well, here's what happened. My pastor said, we, you can have an open Bible um, opportunity. So you can have your Bible with you, and when we ask, you can look it up quick and answer it. And being the smart person I am, one, I didn't know the books of the Bible, so I couldn't find it if I wanted to. And back then, I'm not sure if they, if they had those nice 
tabs that you can put in your Bible. So what I had to do was with all the potential Bible verses that may be asked of me, I took little pieces of paper and put them into the Bible. Every single one, so I could be ready on a fly. So if they say, uh, where do we find the Great Commission? And if I knew it was Matthew 28, that would be great, but I, there's no way I could find it. So those little tabs would help me get along. But here's what happened. We're walking in, my classmates and I, and one of my friends comes up and knocks the Bible out of my hand on purpose. My Bible and all the little notes flew all over the place. There was no way on God's given earth I'm going to be able to do this. But by the grace of God, I passed. I don't know how I did. So I got to go to um, my party. Okay, that was cool. I had a confirmation party. And then I received some confirmation gifts. Some of them were really cool. Some of them had money. But then I did get something, and it was a Bible in a box. How many of you received a Bible in the box? Raise your hand. All right. Well, what I proceeded to do with the Bible in the box and also a cross that was in a box, I kept them in the box for four years. Because I didn't want them to get dirty or tarnished. That wasn't the reason. They were just insignificant for me for about four years, from my eighth grade until my senior year. It wasn't until, and some of you heard, you know, my, my change, my senior year, God kind of knocked my socks off, he got my attention, and I started to realize God loves even me. And honestly, there were things that I did for those, say, four years that were illegal, not nice. In fact, made, made my parents, I, you know, God bless them there. I know they're up in heaven, um, but they earned their stripes in parenting with me. But God got my attention, and I was changed. And here's the thing. While I think I was bad, we're going to be talking about an individual named Paul whose original name was Saul, who had a change go on in his life. And here's the scoop. If God can change me, if God can change Saul into Paul, God can do anything. And if you're sitting here and you're wondering, uh, he can, and he does. He wants to change people's lives for eternity. So that's the journey we're going to be on. So I want you to sit back for the next two and a half hours and we're going to go through, okay, it won't be two and a half hours, maybe, we'll see. All right, we're going to talk about to be changed and I want to bring you to Acts chapter 7. This was a couple weeks ago, but we see a character show up for the first time and we find it right here. And the witnesses lay down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So this was 2,000 years ago. Saul was probably about the same age as Jesus. So if you want to put the context of time, so he was about the same age as Jesus. But what they did, remember Stephen was a, um, 
was enrolled into the ministry now, and he is now preaching. And when he was preaching about the word of God, it made some people really angry, and they took stones, and they were going to kill this person named Stephen. But it was interesting what they did. It says that they put their garments at the feet of a young man. Now, why would they put the garments at the feet of Saul? I think two things. Number one, if you're going to be throwing stones, you don't want to have any restriction to being able to throw it. I think that's part of it. But I also know he was the ringleader. And it's one way to identify who is the top dog in the group. And so they took off all their coats, they laid it down at his feet, and you can almost see with the posture of this image, Saul was kind of going like this, and he was just taking it in. This is glorious, this is wonderful, this is what I live for. Killing people who follow Jesus. That's what was going on here. And so we find the story, and then here's Stephen, because of his faith and trust in God, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And compromise, I don't know if you really knew what you just made a promise. I even asked, would you stay faithful even if death happens? That's a big calling. Stephen did it. And it was by the power of the Holy Spirit, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of death, he still said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I trust you more than anything, even with what's going on. That's what took place. Now, let's talk a little bit about this uh, young man named Saul. His home was Tarsus, university town, education, smart. It was a great trade route, so a lot of things were happening in Tarsus. Um, Saul's father was a Roman citizen. Why does that matter? When you're a Roman citizen during the Roman Empire, it's kind of a calling card. Pretty important. If you're a Roman citizen, you have certain rights that other people do not have. So he had that, and yet he grew up in a home where the Jewish faith was communicated. And somewhere around the age of 13, then all of a sudden he was going to be studying but he also was learning a trade. He was a tent maker. And back then what would happen is you take the hair of black goats, you weave it together into strips of linen, and then you sew it together and you make a tent. And so any young person was learning a trade that was going to be able to help maybe support their family. But there was something about this Saul that was remarkable that maybe he could be a rabbi, maybe he could be a Pharisee, maybe he could be, you know, somebody. And so, most likely, he was shipped off at the age of 13-ish, and he studied under the rabbi of rabbis. Gamaliel was the one. If you want to have really good pedigree, if you want to be able to say that you are somebody, this, this is a pretty important thing. So here is Saul, Tarsus, prominent city, Roman citizen, really good stuff. He happens to be a tent maker, so it kind of helps a little bit there. But Rabbi Gamaliel. And if you're known to be trained by Rabbi Gamaliel, you had the respect of everybody. Okay? So that's a little bit about Saul. 
So his condition and his calling B.C., before Christ. And we go to Acts chapter 26. This is Paul, a little bit later in his ministry, reflecting back on when he was, well, not so good. He says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things, and and I put it in big yellow, because this is what he was known for, opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That was his calling in life. And if you go through, it says, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only shut up many of the saints in prison uh, by authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In other words, he says, yeah, let's do this. And perhaps going back to uh, thinking about Stephen. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. In other words, um, speak against their faith in Jesus. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So this person named Saul was very serious about opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now we go back to Acts chapter 9. This is right before Stephen is going to get killed. And it says here, but Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the Mathetas, the disciples, He went to the high priest, asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Just wanted to draw your attention to the words, still breathing threats. And I want you to think of it differently, because when you go into the original language, you get the flavor of what's going on here. It's not breathing threats as in speaking threats, because that's what it sounds like, but rather in the original language, it's more so breathing in. It's what gave him oxygen. It's what gave him joy. It's what gave him fulfillment. He was like, so when he was watching Stefan kind of going down with the, the stoning, he was breathing in that, like this is everything I was meant to do. So this was his condition before Christ, opposing the name of Jesus. All right. The turning point, verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. This was most likely happening around noon, and the sun, how many of you have ever uh, been to Arizona? Okay. The sun is pretty intense. And if you look up at it or just even feel it, it, it's pretty intense. That's not what he's seeing. In fact, that kind of sun in the Middle East would pale in comparison to what you're getting in a picture here. Heaven shone around him. And, and something dramatically happened in his life. Verse 4 and 5, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now let me back up. This is Jesus speaking. There's been other times when Jesus has spoken and repeated himself. Martha, Martha, or Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It is an emphatic use of language to try to get the attention. It's, it's, like, it's like in my household. When Kristen says, James Edward, I know I'm in trouble. 
When she uses first name, second name, I'm in trouble. And if she uses a third name, oh my goodness, right? But this is what Jesus is doing. This is an emphatic use. This is saying, whoa, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? And what was his response? He kind of knew somebody extraordinary was talking to him. He says, who are you, Lord? So he knew there was some master, somebody out there. And then we find Jesus saying, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. So his life was... And now the people that he was with, they were all kind of shaken because he wasn't going alone, but he was knocked down to the ground. So these people pick him up and they bring him into the city and you know, they're trying to figure this out. Well, now we go to verses 17, 18. I'm kind of speeding up things a little bit. God calls Ananias, and we're going to look at him next week. So you want to come back. Great character. But he says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. So he was going to go now, and he was going to meet Saul, who had the reputation of killing anybody that was a mathetas, a disciple, a follower of Christ. How do you think Ananias was feeling? I mean, this is, this is big stuff. Could he be the next? And yet God called him to go there. So we find that in laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. His world went from opposing the name of Jesus and it was turned around. He was changed. The least likely person to walk on the face of the earth at that time to, to come to believe in Jesus, his life has now been changed. So his condition and his calling A.D., it's Latin, I won't impress you with those words, but it just means the year of our Lord. Something's happening now. And this goes in Acts chapter 22, reflecting back again on what happened. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. Does that sound familiar back to what happened on the road to Damascus? Yeah. He's reflecting back on that. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So he's, again, going back to what happened in his life. And then Romans 3. Uh, Paul was, a, you know, not only did he do a lot of missionary journeys, he wrote the majority of the letters that we find in the New Testament. Romans is one of them. Major piece. If you ever want to get to know Jesus, read the book of Romans, because I think you'll see that in how Paul reflects. But he kind of sets it up here. This is reflecting of how his life has changed. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. This you could tell something changed. Because before this, Saul would say, your getting right with God has to do with what you do. But now he says, uh-uh, it's apart from the law. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 
So Paul's confirmation wasn't a result of his doing or what he accomplished. It was the grace of God as a gift coming to him. In fact, if we look at these verses, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified or made right by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And if you picture what a gift is, right? A gift is something that is given by somebody else. Not because you've earned it or deserved it, because that would be different. But a gift is something that has to do with the heart of the giver bestowing to the person. And Paul understood. He, he did not earn it or deserve it. For all the bad that he did, there's just no way that he could ever fix that himself. So something else had to happen. And that's this change, and that's this gift. All right, now, here's a picture. It could be you, but this took place about a month ago. And, and up here, and if you sat here and you watched it, I don't know, your physical eyes would say, hmm, oh, how cute. You know, and little one having water put on their head, and sometimes you'll hear sounds, and, and you think it's kind of cute. But I want you to know, spiritually, something took place that this child didn't earn or deserve. Because there was really no capability. The baby was just being held. Kind of passive, it seems. But when the word of God is present, lives change. Saul, Jim Thielen, and this little one. It's a gift. So let's, let's take this kind of through our condition before Christ, all have sinned. Our conversion, right? When God is present in our life, justified by his grace as a gift. And then our calling. And so I'm going back to Paul's words in Acts chapter 22. And what I did is I, I put four points. And I just want you to kind of grab hold of this. This is Paul's experience. This is my experience I hope it's your experience as confirmands. I hope it's your experience as family and friends and people who are here today. Number one, if you want a life changed, know his will. If you want a life changed, see the righteous one and hear a voice from his mouth. Now today we have the blessing. Paul didn't have that. But we have the blessing of the word of God. This is where we can see or we can hear all that God has done for us in Christ. So I want to encourage you confirmands because one of the things I, I felt, and maybe you feel this way too, confirmation equals graduation from church. You get to that certain place and you say, did it, done it, I have the t-shirt. Honestly, it is the beginning of more to come. And I'll say that for all of us. If you've been confirmed, like for me, in the ancient ages, right after the Ice Age, something like that, God wants you and me to continue to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear from his mouth. That will change a life. And then something else happens, and that's where I made it number four. To be a witness for him to everyone. 
Confirmands, you witnessed, you shared your faith and trust this morning. But as we go out these doors into this world that we live in, and it's really a different world today, you get to and I get to confirm our faith and trust in Jesus. In fact, it was a little trick question. How many of you remember my trick question in uh, the confirmation interview? The question was this. When is confirmation? And if I was asked this years ago, I would, I would just say, well, like August 23rd? At the 11 o'clock, that's confirmation, right? I said, gotcha. And I even told them, I'm trying to think if maybe one or two people kind of caught it, but I told them it's a trick question because confirmation is that day, but it's also every day. We get to confirm our faith and trust in Jesus in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, wherever we go. Because God's desire is that everyone would have a change. Saul, Jim Thielen, you, and this world. So my prayer is that God's spirit would drive within us a greater desire to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear from his mouth, and then let it come out in our words and deeds, all for the glory of God. Amen. Jesus, what a remarkable privilege that you give us, that we can come before you in prayer. And so now we bring to you the request and the praises of our 1C family. Pray that Barb Bedell's son has a safe trip. Please pray for my grandpa's health and for my family to come to truly know Jesus. A prayer for my wife so that her new chemo treatment will work and keep her cancer under control and stop from spreading. Continued prayers for our gramps who remains at UNMC awaiting a bone marrow transplant. Prayers of thanks that he has two matches when he is healthy enough. Also, prayers of thanks that our daughter is at home visiting before she returns to college. Pray for myself and my children as I took the much needed step to let go. Dear God, please prep, let my friend Curtis have a speedy recovery from hip surgery. Prayers for my marriage to continue to be mended and strengthened. Prayers of thanks and blessings on my parents' 45th anniversary. Please guide and watch over our teachers and students as they head back to school. Please watch over the kids heading off to college. Help them make good choices and feel your protection. Jesus, these are the prayers that we bring to the cross today. We know that you have heard. We know that you are crafting an answer for each and every one. And for all those prayers that are here in this room today that are in the hearts and minds of your people, thank you that you sweep into our spirits and you know what it is that we need. And now we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite you to please take the elements out if you've uh, received those. And I will be sharing the words of institution first. And these are the words that we find uh, from Jesus in the Gospels. And then after I share those, then we will take the elements one at a time. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would take the bread, open up that portion, and take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. And if you would take the wine or the juice, and take and drink, this is the blood of Jesus shed for you. We pray. Gracious God, thank you again that you love us so much that you, you, you nurture us, you nourish us, you feed us. And we thank you that in this meal, you are truly present. You forgive our sins, you strengthen our faith, and you remind us again that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord, again for this beautiful gift given out of love and received by faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
That is who he is, right? And I pray that you know that. Every day, every day, because there is nothing like Jesus to change your heart, to give us hope and peace, even when the world seems to be going a little bit crazy. So hang on to that. Again, thank you for coming today. Uh, guests especially, love to have you here. Um, if you ever want any, anything, if you have questions, let us know. We'd love to, to talk with you. A couple quick announcements. Uh, what's something happening tonight? Yeah, tonight there's an opportunity for anyone, whether you're new to 1C, you've been coming a while, to learn more about what we believe, our history, our mission. Um, it's a new disciple launch, so you don't have to be a new disciple, but anyone is welcome to come and hear more about uh, who we are as a church family. That's tonight, um, either online or in person, here at 7 o'clock tonight. Good. Also, we have something that's starting in a couple of weeks, September 16th. We have what we call exploration. It's a time where we gather together on a Wednesday night, and we do a couple things. You know, we have food and fellowship, and then we do a little bit of worship, and then we dig into the Word of God. And we explore this God who's powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, yet personal enough to know what's going on in our own life. And so we have studies for different ages for all people. So please kind of start thinking and praying about that. Because again, tucking that word of God into our, not just our minds, but our hearts, makes a difference. Uh, I want to share with you now the blessing. So let's stand, and I want to share with you this gift that comes from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Out to the world to make you know. 